Hi everyone, I am very excited today to introduce you guys to a incredibly interesting and amazing lady called Nora Harold. She was someone that started off as an intuitive that worked with tarot for many years and during her exploration of the metaphysical world and self-healing, she actually stumbled across a new concept for her at the time, but something that she was intrinsically aware of since a small child, and that was the ability to channel. Now, channeling is a very kind of out there concept for a lot of people, and even when I was talking to the Baron about this, he was very dubious about me doing interviews that I really wanted to in this area. As if I was selling you guys a particular viewpoint, I want this to be an opportunity to explore all viewpoints. And I'm very fascinated to learn more. I'm very interested in finding out about how things tick. And Nora is someone that I found out about many, many years ago because I was discovering a lot about the incredible inventor, Nikola Tesla you'll be consciously aware that I've always had adoration for Nikola Tesla. There's been something about him that I've always felt a connection to. I have had him on my MySpace profile when I was 14. So if anyone has been following me for the entire duration of my work on social media, you will know of my fascination. Now, I discovered quite early on that he was claimed to be a channel. Now, whether this is true or this is just secondhand information with a spin, I'm not really aware. But as with a lot of this information, there seems to be a commonality with a lot of the intuitive guides that state that you take what you think resonates the most with you. So for me, it resonated with me and it for some reason made sense and looking into other prominent figures whether on the right or the wrong side of history um there has always been this awareness of channeling so i went into this journey of researching this phenomenon called channeling and i went into a lot of kind of interesting um groups a lot of interesting digital forums and one of the people that I discovered quite early on was a lady called Barbara Marciniak. Now Barbara Marciniak was a very prominent channel during the 90s, I think the late 80s and instead of having what the other channels referred to as angelic guides or spirits, she channeled what she described as the Pleiadian Collective. So the Pleiades is a star system, um, it's a collective of stars, it's a galaxy we're aware of and the Pleiades have always been a part of historical cultures, um, particularly in Indigenous American cultures. They actually refer to the Seven Sisters. It's actually part of a lot of car manufacturing logos. There's been so much familiarity with the Seven Stars. It's always been a fascinating realm to dive into for me. Um, so Barbara Marciniak was someone that I was looking into for many years and her talks and her seminars that she still does to this day are very interesting. Um, what happened during the last three or four years is I discovered more people that channeled this Pleiadian collective or other beings that were claiming to be Pleiadians. Now, I have responded to very few people in this field. I think a lot of people are speaking or they're getting information that's recyclable or they're not things that I've personally found um, to be insightful. 
However, there are people that have absolutely taken the information that I have learned from studying this to a completely new dimension. And one of those people is Nora Herald. The interview today is going to be about channeling and also um, get some of that information and, and you guys can experience firsthand the kind of thing that I'm interested in from Nora, because Nora is a very profoundly impactful healer um, to anyone out there who knows Reiki. It's a form of energy healing where someone is able to connect with you and your body reacts. You are able to feel and see tangible responses to some of this work. Now, Nora is someone that's an intuitive guide. She was someone that read tarot for many years. Tarot, for people that do not know, are pictorial cards. They were actually used in many cultures and disguised as playing cards because any playing card set can mimic the houses and you can't do the full pictorial card reading, but you can actually use um, play cards and the sweets to give a reading. And my grandmother was a tarot reader and gave me my first set of tarot when I was a child. I was very fascinated to hear that Nora also um, was connected to another channel, um, a lady called Wendy Kennedy, who I also connected with when I discovered her work. Now, the interesting thing about Nora's experience and her start into the Pleiadian channel, which is one of the things that she defines herself as, is that she has abilities to empathically and intuitively know the individual that she's connecting with. And again, with a lot of this work, it's interesting because the channels and the guides that come through the channels um, talk about the body as a form of technology and learning about the body and how the body works is fascinating to me in so many ways because my grandmother on my mother's side, my maternal grandmother, who, by the way, it was a very polarised upbringing for me, for anyone that didn't know, because my dad's parents were open to this stuff. My mum's parents were extremely religious. So even having a book that that had pictorials of witches in, I was told off by my granddad, who was an evangelical church leader. Um, so... My grandmother, who had cancer over the course of about 22 years, she um, maintained such light and such positivity and such hope that despite having tumours in a number of organs, she maintained a amazing life for all that time. And she was an example, even though she was religious, of how the belief in something can impact her experience. So whatever specific belief system you navigate through that it is always the same thing it, it's a case of of how you create your own reality and Nora talks in great detail of galactic history it took the information that I learned from Barbara Marciniak into the next realm she explains a lot of the phenomena on the planet which I think is very interesting and she explores things from both a metaphysical way and a healing way so when listening to her you find out a lot of information it's very um it has an impact on your body and you definitely should note the reaction when listening to her because you will need to be conscious of that and also they recommend that you drink more water that you allow the energy in your body to clear out quicker by doing so 
So today's a very exciting opportunity for me to go into this a little bit further. So if that was a kind of introduction for the first time to channeling, this will be a very exciting and insightful interview for you. So let's go in today with the fabulous Nora Herald, whose information I'll supply at the end, and we'll see what you think. Um, So Nora, firstly, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. I have been an avid listener to your work for some years now, and I wanted to share a bit about your work to my audience um, so a lot of people know uh, they know what a psychic or a medium is. Um, from what I've read and what I've listened to, you began as a tarot reader and an intuitive, and your work led you to the word channeling and to actually physically channeling. Could you explain a little bit about what channeling is to someone that has never heard of this before? Absolutely. And first, let me just say thank you so much, Joe, for having me on and sharing me and my work and the experience of channeling and the expansion of consciousness with your audience. I'm super excited to be Uh, here, so thank you. No as excited as me. I'm, like, literally dying. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm more excited than you are. (laughs) Oh, yay. (laughs) Okay, we'll be equally excited. Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Let's let's take competition out of it because that simply just dims our light, which, you know, that's a huge, one of the huge messages the Pleiadians bring through, of course, is that we're raised, all of us, and indoctrinated and brainwashed and mind-controlled into this extremely competitive reality where we're constantly trying to win um and that's very survival based and all that does is separate us and keep us apart and dim our lights so collaborating like this um with with you joe and and your light it really brings me a tremendous amount of joy i love collaboration thank you okay (laughs) to answer your question uh what the hell is channeling right so yeah, uh, when I first heard the word, so I was 29 years old when it was 1996. I was sitting in, uh, it was November, so I was sitting in the apartment of my dear friend, Amy, and we were reading each other's uh, cards, right? So I'd been playing with tarot for almost a decade at that point mm-hmm. because I had wanted a tool, I think just like you, right, to yeah. expand my intuitive and psychic abilities and I was raised Catholic. So I have this, I had this very interesting dichotomy of feeling very psychic, very intuitive and also being told, no, (laughs) you're not allowed to do that. (laughs) So we share that, we share that in common. Um, and, but then my parents got divorced and, uh, my mother got remarried. So she couldn't take mass anymore. That's, you know, the Catholic church law. Yes. You're divorced. You're right. So then we stopped going to church. So that was very freeing for me in my teens. So I played with tarot in my early twenties, all through my twenties. And I was attracted to crystals, but I kept feeling like there was this other thing I was looking for. There was mm-hmm. something and I didn't know what it was. And so 1996, November, I'm sitting there with my friend, Amy, And she says to me, hey, I've made a new friend. Her name is Wendy. Uh, So I'm talking about Wendy Kennedy here. Yes. Yeah, really well-known Pleiadian channel. And she channels other 
beings as well. And Amy said, so I've met this this woman, Wendy. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting tables with her. And I was also waitressing at the time in another restaurant. And um, funny, Amy and I met working together at Victoria's Secret. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that I just find that hilarious that this very significant person in my life in on my spiritual path and spiritual awakening, I would have met <laughs> yes. Victoria's Secret, right? I met her literally. She was hanging panties on a wall <laughs> the very first time I met Amy. So she said, Wendy um, channels. And mm-hmm. I said, OK, what's that? Right. Like my whole body responded to the word uh, when she said Wendy channels. And she said, well, she talks with her spirit guides. And I said, OK, that that's the thing. That's what I've been looking for. And I think that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm. So you know, my very simple definition of the word channeling is simply putting energy into recognizable form. Right. My particular version of channeling, so we all channel, right? Every single one of us takes energy, runs it through our bodies, and Mm -hmm. expresses it in some way via some form. Yes. I do a form of spoken word channeling where I direct voice channel the beings that I work with, the Pleiadians, Ursula, who is a fairy. She's kind of new in the last six months or so, new to my to my work, although she is not new as a being to me as, at all. Maybe we'll talk about that a, a bit later, who she is. Okay. Uh, she's a fairy. Um, the Lyrans and Lemurians and the Angelics and Yeshua. I've worked with many beings now over decades. So that that's just my very simple explanation of what channeling is. It's putting energy into some kind of direct physical form. Sure, because I think a lot of people um, that are interested in arts or they research about their favourite poet or uh, musician, they often find that the way that these magical pieces of art come to be, they often say comes through like a channel. It comes through from somewhere and it just, it happens. And I'm sure everyone has that experience where they're in that amazing, like, comfortable zone in themselves and then they produce their best work if they were an artist and things like that. And what you do is you translate it and it kind of comes through your voice. Correct. When I started to listen about a lot of these um, channels come through and a lot of the messages come through, it was kind of from about 10 years ago. And I've heard you mention in your work quite a few times that there has been some sort of specific timeline things that have really changed the game, so to speak, because the information that you've brought through that I listen to that I'm sure everyone that listens to this would love to dive into. And you can search all over YouTube on your website for more of your work. But there was almost like a shift that happened in 2012. And I wanted to know if you could explain to people a little bit about that, because I think a lot of people kind of clicked into this sort of like interweb thing that was going on with people that were a little bit more aware? Absolutely, yes. So prior to the winter solstice of 2012, we were running a particular game here on planet Earth, right? Mm -hmm. And, And that game had very specific rules. It was the third dimensional game. And within the context of the third dimension, time is linear, Matter is solid, and you cannot create something out of nothing. You can take one form and change it to something else, but you can't wave your hand in the air and just poof, create something, right? Pull energy out of the 
a portal from somewhere and create something new. So we were using law of attraction while third dimensional beings, fully third dimensional prior to 2012 to attract realities to us. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the, the place where people would really get tripped up when it, when it comes to law of attraction is they, the, the emphasis was on the use of the mental body and affirmation and thoughts and ideas. And if you just held a thought for long enough, you would make it happen. You could bring it about. And a lot of people tried that. And a lot of people felt they were not successful at it and thought the whole law of attraction thing was either BS or they just weren't very adept at it. They were failing at it. They were not good at it. Yes. So from my perspective, when we were full on attractors, we were not using our mental bodies to attract our realities to us. We were using our emotional bodies to attract our realities to us. So very often our affirmations, our thoughts, our ideas are far beyond where we actually are emotionally in the moment. So if you're holding a thought that says, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the emotional resonance that you're holding is, I have no value. Mm. I have no sense of self. I am broken. I am lost. You're going to create more from that space, again, in the 3D game, using law of attraction, than you are from your mental body. That Yes, that is a very kind of um, simplified way to help people understand that. We are actually mm -hmm. much more complex than that. Yes. But yes, that is along the lines of what I'm saying, right? You can't really create something. You can't attract something to you that you aren't on some level able to access within yourself. Now, most of us are a patchwork of emotions and feelings about every subject there is, right? So for anybody who is feeling poor, you also are able to access a feeling of richness, abundance, and prosperity. And typically, but that contrast sits in our emotional body or sits in our field. So when we run law of attraction, we usually pull in something that offers us a variety of experiences, right? Sure. Because that's what we're holding in our emotional bodies. But I found a lot of people getting really uh, frustrated because they thought, oh, if I just focus on a thought for a long period, you know, for a long period of time and mm -hmm. then I'll make it happen. And we are more complex and more advanced than that in the way we attract and create. There was something funny that happened to me, which I think my audience will have noticed because I, um, my grandmother, who I mentioned, my paternal grandma, who was very clairvoyant, she wrote messages in a um, coffee table book to me that I didn't discover until 2012. And it was messages about how I would go forwards, if you will. And it was kind of almost like a lesson she was teaching me about how to get into that creative space because... When I was in 2012, I was this sort of LGBT example of I had loads of talent, but I wasn't able to go into spaces that most of my peers were able to. And I started to do blogs and I started to actually visualize and create things that would happen. And I record um, and I say it like I had a dream about it, but I didn't really have a dream about it. I had like a thing. I kind of was making it happen in my mind and mm -hmm. everything that I recorded actually came to be including this three years before I met my partner 
um, I was describing his home in a video that was on my channel and people didn't realise the spirituality side of my work at all. They thought everything was kind of the the makeup stuff, but it was a funny, tangible way to bring um, people who have seen my stuff into this convo in a little bit more of a realistic way because it was 2012 when I realised that could happen and it was my grandma's messages in the book that showed me that which I think was interesting and I I wanted to talk to you about this because I don't get to talk to many spiritual um uh, experts I don't know what the correct term is (laughs) 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 you don't have language that takes us out of competition I I love that you caught yourself there right like expert right that's a competitive term (laughs) I don't know what the hell to call myself either right I call myself um you know, an incarnate guide. Yes. Uh, but it's taken me decades to own that sure. as my truth. And I've only been able to own it that I'm an incarnate guide because I also recognize every being here is an incarnate guide. Yes. Yes. So I could only claim that as an identifier when I realized, oh, so is everyone else, right? When I took my ego completely out of it and either the superior aspect of my ego that wants to think I'm better than everyone else, right? <laughs> sure. And then the counter to that, the inferior version of me that feels like crap about herself where, you know, as certainly as a quote-unquote expert, I still have my shit, right? Sure, sure. <laughs> well, I hope I can swear. Yes, oh my God, no, help yourself, help yourself. <laughs> I'm fully open to swearing. Um, so when you first discovered this it it wasn't common practice to even talk about the idea of channeling or spirit guides because I think there was a there's a book called the Seth Materials which has been out for many years which came before but how did how did you and your group of friends even discover the process was there any books that you specifically read or was it just through your friend Amy? Yes. So when so Wendy was Wendy Kennedy was the originator of the channeling, right? Okay. She she had gone through her own process and she was having visions and she was feeling things and uh, she, I, I can't remember exactly how she discovered the word channeling or knew that's what she was supposed to do. But at some point she felt the impetus to start writing. And that's when she had her breakthrough moment in channeling. She then discovered Barbara Marciniak's work, right? Mm-hmm. So that had to come prior to our, to the three of us awakening, and doing our work just prior. I think Brothers okay. of the Dawn may have been published um, in 94, 95, 96, somewhere around there, right? So it was yeah. just prior to the three of us having that awakening. And then there was another author at the time, uh, uh, two authors actually, Sanaya Roman and Dwayne Packer. And they wrote a book called Opening to Channel. And that's something that the three of us also used as a reference tool and a guide um, as we were doing it. But what also happened for the three of us was each of us had our own immediate and spontaneous channeling experiences before we really even knew what channeling was. Yes. So our experience brought us to the understanding of what channeling is, right? It was, ah, wow, what the, I just felt something massive, this massive love. I need to understand what this is. And Mm -hmm. then our mental bodies went on a search to fill in the information. And to be honest, that is now how we're operating as creators. You know, so we started talking about prior to the end of 2012, right? But what happened 
on the winter solstice of 2012, or I should say the December solstice of 2012, right? Because we do, you know, there is part of the world that experiences summer when you and I, Joe, experience yes. winter, right? Yes, of course. So the December solstice of 2012, that last solstice of 2012, took us through a gateway that propelled us into an entirely new reality where it became possible for us to begin accessing our fifth dimensional consciousness from within our own bodies. Mm -hmm. So we are in the midst of this massive shift in our operating system where we're no longer using law of attraction or no longer going to be, we're still using it, but we're using it now in tandem with the universal law of creation, which operates off of vibration and frequencies held and maintained within your own personal energy field in your third dimensional chakra system and in your fifth dimensional chakra system. And it is the focusing of these vibrations and frequencies that allow us to create more rapidly. You probably notice this within yourself right now that we're experiencing an acceleration now Mm -hmm. in our manifestation process and in the creation of our realities. We're able to transmute trauma much more quickly than we used to be able to do, and we are able to create much more quickly. Mm. We're not quite yet at instantaneous manifestation. That is full-on fifth-dimensional consciousness work. None of us are there yet, but we're working on this blended reality now of 3D and 5D operating systems. So if you default to heavy emotions, you're going to start running law of attraction based off of the density and the heaviness of the emotions, whether they be happy emotions or sad emotions, right? I'm talking completely here about the emotional roller coaster and where that takes us. Mm-hmm. Holding vibration and frequency is a much calmer experience. It's not nearly as dramatic, which allows us to maneuver much more easily and much more quickly and create in a much more rapid way. Yes. That's the operating, yeah, that's what we're enabling now. What I was curious about is because I've listened to um, this information, so I'm a bit privy to this. Um, if someone was to ask about the dimensional aspect of this could you explain a little bit about the the kind of spectrum of dimensions and what that means because and one thing I was always curious to ask is where is the fourth dimension if we we were in third and then we're aiming to go into the fifth which would be the kind of state of creation what would the transitory state in between that be Yes, so that is the fourth dimension, the transitory dimension, and we're actually in it right now. Got it, right. All right, that makes so much sense. <laughs> we, the, the difference between a third dimensional experience and a fifth dimensional experience is so dramatic that we needed an entire dimension to play in to facilitate this shift because we're doing something that has never been done before. So to be clear, while physically incarnate in the same body, we are shifting from a third dimensional consciousness to a fifth dimensional consciousness. Mm -hmm. Typically, when we've made those kinds of shifts in the past, we would die, right? And leave our third dimensional experience and then project our energy into a fifth dimensional consciousness as a whole other version, whole other entity, whole other being. So we're doing something right now via the integration of our higher selves Mm -hmm. into our third dimensional chakra system, 
which facilitates the activation of fifth dimensional consciousness from within. So the fourth dimension is like a whiteboard, right? It's, yeah. It's just, so you get to throw up on that whiteboard either 3D reality or the 5D reality or a blended version of 3D and 5D reality. And, and what's recently happened via this last Solstice Gateway, so the, the December Solstice of 2019, is we just jumped timelines to a higher octave of the fourth dimension, an octave we had previously not been able to reach. So a dimension is not flat. It's it's within itself, multidimensional, and there's movement up and down within that dimension. Mm -hmm. So we're able to access now a higher experience of the fourth dimension than ever before, which gives us even more access to our fifth dimensional consciousness and everything that goes along with that, which is telepathy, telekinesis, um, more being more empathic, uh, manifesting at a greater rate of return at a more accelerated rate of return mm -hmm. uh, an acceleration in collective consciousness and collective i mean god we've seen this in the last decade right like yes. look where collective consciousness was sitting 10 years ago let's just take lgbtq right for instance so. a decade ago and look at where we are now like holy shit we're in another universe yeah yeah it's been crazy like i when i was in school um like during that period I can imagine that things would have been this open like it was so funny one of my um one of my friend's younger siblings is now non-binary whereas like when I was actually like this androgynous creature in school it was not easy and now it's like everyone was also we went I went to this um birthday party for them on their 16th and they had all these like kids from school there and they were all like all the gender roles were out the window I was like my god how did this even happen when I'm and I'm part of this but I was like I didn't even know I couldn't even imagine being that young and being like that. It was insane and so beautiful. Yes, yes. And when we um, when we're talking about the all of this information, so when you first started to channel, you connected with spirit guides, and what what would the difference be between say a, a spirit guide um, and you use the term your higher self? I love that. I love those those questions. They're they're fantastic. Um, so the difference between the higher self and then a spirit guide or some other guiding entity, right, is kind of again. I'm going to give a multi-dimensional answer on this because the the truth is there is not ever any one answer to anything. Yes. Yeah, right. I, keep, I, I let go of trying to find the ultimate truth a very long time ago when I began to realize that as creator beings, each one of us, how could there be yes. any one truth, right? Yeah. There are as many versions of reality as there are beings to interpret reality, right? And yes. then we have our collectively agreed upon versions of reality, which are changing at an accelerated rate, which we just talked about when we we're talking about trans and non-binary and what's yes. happening in gender fluidity, right? So the higher self I see as our fifth dimensional consciousness. So every single one of us in the third dimension has a counterpart in the fifth dimension that I also refer to as the higher self. And it is basically the version of us we are evolving into in this moment in time for the higher self right now is to find your own higher self, your own fifth dimensional consciousness within first your heart chakra and then the rest of your chakra system. The work that we're doing, a lot of us right now, and it is 
real work for all of us is to invite that fifth dimensional vibration, consciousness, love into our lower chakra system, meaning chakras three, two, one, the solar plexus, the pelvic area, the base of the spine and the soles of the feet. I always include the soles of the feet in the first chakra, just like I include the palms of the hand in the heart chakra, because it's a more accurate interpretation of how we work as beings. But when you put the root chakra in the soles of the feet, then you're allowing your energetic structure to literally connect with the grid work of earth itself mm. and allows you to be a more grounded version of a higher consciousness in your body, right? If you cut yourself off at the butt, right? Yes. <laughs> See the root chakra. Right? Then you're kind of floating above earth. <laughs> yes, yes. That was so funny. Like, what? <laughs> yes. That was something that I was so, it just made so much more sense when I first started to listen to um, your advice on how to use the body as almost like this technology. Um, I had this really strange experience like last year where I used to be comfortable like in meditational and trance, whatever, identifying my three-dimensional chakra system. And then I had this like moment where I suddenly could, I felt like I had wings. I know it sounds really crazy. It probably sounds crazy no. to everyone, but I felt like I had all of these different chakra systems that was literally like someone had I, I, the same thing that I knew, but wings. And I was like, what the hell is this going on? And I didn't know what was going on. But after then I was like, okay, I need to ask someone about this. But is that the five dimensional chakra system? Yes, you're accessing right. your 5D self. It's actually, you're describing something I've heard many times before. Is that real? So it's, like, because yeah, I, I, it's not weird or strange. You're also coupling that with the memory of lifetimes of actually being a winged being, an angelic or a fairy or something like that. And this is what happens when we integrate the fifth dimensional technology into our third dimensional system. We give ourselves access to all of our records. Yes. I want to finish answering that question on the difference between higher self and then the guides. Sure. So the way I perceive any kind of spirit guiding entity or guardian angel or extraterrestrial collective that are working in a guiding capacity, etc., they'll all sit then at a sixth dimensional vibration or frequency or above. Now, I use the term guide because we understand what that means, but often that will cause us to project a kind of either authoritarian personality onto the being that we're working with or some kind of hierarchy or structure. And they do not want us to do that. Mm -hmm. They're constantly reminding me that they are simply offering a different perspective. They have one perspective because they sit on that particular dimension. We have another perspective that is equally as valid. And as we gain love and information and help and support knowledge from them, well, they get the same from us as we're collaborating and sharing information back and forth. So when um, when we are thinking about the scale of connection that we can actually reach, um, how do we define what is a good connection to have and what is not? Because I know we could say like any connection you could learn from, but I think a lot of people, especially people that have been aware of psychics or mediums, there is a fear attached to that from all this spiritualist stuff where it, you could channel the exorcist or something and your head can start spinning <laughs> around. So how, how do we... <laughs> 
how do we kind of like avoid that and is there like I know we shouldn't operate from fear but what if people were looking to find guidance is there any rules to this or is there any guides that you could yeah and and the rules have changed a little bit again at the end of 2012 everything changed so when I first started channeling you know I would put myself in a protective bubble of white light and and do like a three-time chant to call in beings of the highest vibration possible to me it was and and that worked right that was what you had to do as third-dimensional beings because channeling was a lot harder than like you said it was not uh really in the collective consciousness even what channeling was like we knew the term medium back then but channel well most people didn't know what the hell that was when i told people i i was uh you know new to channeling like i was waitressing you know i left the restaurant one night went to my friend amy's house had this um, intense spiritual experience of connecting with my spirit guide Mirando for the very first time consciously felt this amazing unconditional love left her apartment completely altered went to work the next day and started telling everyone I'd met my spirit guide and was channeling right yes (laughs) I went from waitress actress pretty quote-unquote normal Mm-hmm. Not really. I mean, I was never really normal <laughs> <laughs> at all. I mean, I'm bisexual, right? So that fabulous something already that I had uh, gone through. And it was, that was very dramatic for me because I was like hardcore boy, crazy, heterosexual <laughs> till I was 27 years old. I had no idea, <laughs> no inkling that I could possibly have a relationship with a woman, a sexual relate, and then I fell in love with a woman. Yes. Um, right? And spent five years in and out of that relationship. And then when that ended, so then I thought, well, I'll, okay, I'm gay, right? So I just adopted that identifier because it was just easier. Trying to be bisexual in the 90s. Oh, God. Right? Yes. It was so hard. I mean, it's still the most discriminated against sexual orientation by all groups because there's such a lack of understanding about what bisexuality is. Oh, yes. And it's there's such a like a spectrum of that because, like, for example, my, my partner's a straight guy and he thought I was a cisgender woman when he met me, but no, I'm not. He got a surprise. So <laughs> he doesn't even know what he is anymore, but I don't, I don't no, mind. Exactly. Right. <laughs> right. So He's mine. Gay. That's all we, everyone needs to know. <laughs> for a few years because that was just easier right to explain to my parents that I was gay at yes. 27 28 29 and then when she and I broke up um I just knew I was gonna be with a man next like I knew that completely uh and this was as I was coming into my channeling abilities so that was just I was certain about that from an intuitive place and met my partner Jonathan who I've been with now for almost 21 years yes uh mm. shortly after you know, like six months after she and I had finished. And then for a long time, I didn't really own the identity of bisexual. I kind of, what I did then was like, I never hid the fact that I was in a relationship with a woman, but I kind of, I kind of would just say, well, that was just a one-off, right? Like (laughs) I'm I'm back to being hetero. Yes. (laughs) And then I don't know when it was at some point, I just realized like it was really important for me to claim my bisexuality and be very open about it uh, as a guide 
that's so it's so cool as well because like it it further affirms that we're all just energy and whatever is there is there for the moment <laughs> if you know what I mean like, you described your first connection with your guide Morondo yes is he a Pleiadian no Morondo is a spirit guide right so right. I don't I don't slap a cosmic identifier on him right he's a full-on spirit guides entity who actually was my full-time guide for a while in tandem with the Pleiadians. I met the Pleiadians then very shortly after my initial conscious meeting of Miranda with Miranda. Then the Pleiadians showed up along with Wendy Kennedy in my life very shortly afterwards. Um, But Miranda, I always identified as identify spirit guide is a little bit different just like i would identify an angelic is different and a fairy is different and all the other beings we work with and and to answer that question about how to call in the highest you know how to do it right like where what to do now so you know it used to be that bubble of white light and protection and incantation and like a whole ritual of connection now because we are higher in our personal vibratory space as humans, all you really need to do is put yourself in your heart chakra, take a breath, feel yourself kind of raise your own vibration from within, just using your breath, getting to a very centered and loving space within yourself. And as you're pulsing that energy out, that's what you'll attract to you then in the form of other beings to work with guides, angelics, extraterrestrial collectives, the, the big fairy, capital T, capital F. So when I use the term thought fairies, I'm talking about fairies, elves, gnomes, unicorns, dragons. Oh, there's so many beings that kind of the elementals, the Davis that fall under that umbrella of the term the fairies. So that's a big term there. And that's to Just do with us. That's the the fairies for people that that think how do fairies connect with the alien system? You've done many um, speeches about galactic history, which is very very interesting to me. I'm fascinated. I'm, I'm like a historian. Um, one one thing I wanted to ask you about this. I don't know if you'd be able to give me any insight about this. But a situation happened last year with me. Um, One of my close friends, I'm not going to tell who, just out of respect for her privacy, but she basically was trying to um, learn about her spirituality. And something happened where we were in the hotel room before we were going to a meal. And something spoke through me. And I told her that she had an illness that we found out was true. And just after this happened, there was an ashtray and it split, a glass ashtray split in half, like okay. a yin-yang. Okay. And I was so distraught after this happened. I thought I was being taken over by something. And I, I don't know what, I was. I wanted to do it because I thought she needed to know. We were talking about something that was going on with her and her health. And I wanted to help her, but I, and that was my kind of like intention, but I didn't, I couldn't control it or know what was really going on. And it was so shocking because I've, I've heard of so many examples of channeling from my research, but I didn't consciously look to do that. And I was so scared when the ashtray broke in half because it was like, oh my God, that's actually like physical. Like you could never like say, oh, I was just drunk as a skunk and just talking like la, 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 la. It was like, oh my God, what is going on? And since then, I've always been a bit kind of like, nervous about exploring it myself but is it because I was freaking out not in my heart center 
It's because you were new to it. Okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, I had so I had a number of really crazy things happen the first couple of years, especially like the first six months. Similar, right? I was in the I was waitressing one night, and it, the the restaurant was close to closing, and the table had just come in, and I was closing, and I was like, "Come on, hurry up!" <laughs> right? Like just glaring at this guy willing him to drink his beer more quickly so I could go home and his beer glass broke in his hand. <gasps> oh then gosh. I had to go get him another beer, right? <laughs> Which has extended my time in the restaurant. Yes. And yeah, so yes, I was not at all in my heart center in the moment and I had opened myself up to playing with all of this energy. And uh I didn't yet know really know how to use it. So I gave myself like you did some dramatic events to help demonstrate I don't want to say the seriousness of it right because that kind of sounds so foreboding and school and school marmy um the responsibility of it right it's like that Peter Parker thing from from Spider-Man right those with power uh what the hell is that I can't believe come great responsibility Something like that. Right. <laughs> when you have power, you have, uh, it comes with greater responsibility, right? Yes, it's yes. that. I mean, it, it's really true. And it's, it's why a lot of us are not consciously actualized. Because primarily, anybody who isn't really on some level, you just aren't because you don't feel ready with it. Yeah, yeah. And you will give yourself the experiences you need to put yourself in check when you need them. Now, I will share that I was driving home one night, really late at night in Chicago, Um and I was being followed by a couple of guys in a car and I was getting near my apartment and I didn't really think they were going to do something to me, but I was uncomfortable with the energy they were putting out as a young woman. Yeah. And I was getting very near to where I lived and I was going to have to turn right to park my car in front of my apartment building and I didn't want them to see where I lived. So I just kind of completely unconsciously with no intent other than stay away from me, I flung my left hand towards them out the window and the hood of their car flipped up oh. and they had to pull over and I was able to turn the corner and park my car and go home without being seen. And I felt like that was an appropriate use yes. of that energy, right? Yes. And yet I was very startled by it. I had no expectation that that would be the result You know, it's like those stories you hear about, you know, there's a kid trapped under a car and a human is, uh, the mom lifts the car based on her adrenaline. Yeah, bullshit, that's adrenaline, right? That is her accessing that fifth dimensional energy and technology and putting that to work. But typically those moments are very spontaneous. There's not a lot of, there's not any planning really. It's, you're very in the moment when those things happen. Yes, it's it can be very scary. Like I've had other situations where I, I'm not going to go into the full story of it, but I was getting a blood test and I didn't tell my mum and my mum um, was at work and I got a text as I left the, the hospital because I didn't want to scare her thinking that I was sick because I wasn't. But we were, I was just being cautious and keeping it to myself and my mum's arm bled when I got the injection and when I got on the bus, I received the text from her saying, my God, my left arm just erupted by my elbow and it was like... Oh my god! I can't even stop my mum knowing, like when I wanted to like protect her for good sake. So I read all this stuff. It's it's all been going on in my life since this. But it's it's funny because like when you, I think that a lot of people were just not aware this stuff was was 
tangible. And it's like, I'm so happy that people are starting to now realise that there's been such, so much going on that we just were kind of blinkered to and we're waking up to it. Yes. Yes. And it is really a matter of choosing to put our conscious attention on what it is we want to do, right? Like when I met Arondo that night for the first time, I set my conscious intent to connect with the spirit guide. Amy said, I met this woman who channels. I said, oh my God, that's the thing we're supposed to be doing. Let's do it. And when I full on met him, I realized in that moment, I wasn't actually meeting him. I had felt his presence before, right? So Mm. part of my journey was I had experiences that led me to formulate thoughts and ideas. And as I crystallized those thoughts and ideas, my experiences got more powerful. Yes. And that's a really interesting thing because like, it's about like being aware and that's, that's almost a practice in itself, isn't it? Completely. And giving permission. Sure. There's one, there's one thing that I, um, I've actually need to thank you for because it's really revolutionized my life. And that's the technique that I think the Pleiadians brought through that's called FOAL, F-O-A-L. That has been so instrumental in my own growth as a person because I would get stuck. And would you like to explain a little bit about FOAL? Because I can have a convo with you and you can probably tell I'm excited to talk to you. But um, what what is FOAL and how can that be a practice people can introduce to their life? Yes, I would love to explain it, but actually the Pleiadians would would really love to explain okay. it so i'm gonna let them through they've been they've been knocking on my <laughs> energy field now for a while Sorry. so I, I knew they were gonna show up here at some point during our conversation oh my god uh, okay greetings this is the pleiadian collective joe hello wonderful to have the opportunity to connect with you and All of you beautiful universal beings of love and light who are tuning in, thank you. Thank you for opening your hearts and your consciousness to something that may feel a bit new for you right now. So we're going to explain full, but we're going to run you through the process as well. Uh, We want as many of you as possible to have this very simple process that facilitates the transmutation of underlying unhealed traumas and untransmitted traumas to facilitate the integration of the higher self and the fifth dimensional consciousness. Because the only thing that's getting in your way now of fully integrating your 5D consciousness into the containers of your bodies are your own unhealed traumas. That's it. That's all that's sitting in your personal way. So full is a way to simply clear without attaching any story, right? You're, you're moving beyond story and the need for story so the first thing you want to do so let's have you all do this is just take a breath put your attention on yourself and give yourself permission to feel whatever it is you are feeling right now however it is you are feeling fully and without judgment this can be emotionally physically energetically could be whatever is going on in your head we know mental body doesn't really feel but we include it in this process so get in touch with you where you're at right in this moment and let yourself highlight anything that needs attention right 
So give yourself permission full on to feel your discomfort. So this is the F in full. Feel fully without judgment. Whatever it is you're feeling, it's not right. It's not wrong. It just is. It's true. That's it. So now as you're feeling fully, the second piece of full is to then begin observing yourself from within as you feel. So you're feeling and now you're also observing as you feel. So the observational you that you have just brought online is your fifth dimensional consciousness from within. So your 5D self is now facilitating this process. 3D you is feeling whatever it is you need to feel and 5D you is observing and holding the space for you as you're feeling. And then the next step is acceptance. This is the A. So observe is the O, accept is the A. So now we want you to just accept yourself exactly as you are in this moment with whatever it is you're feeling with no desire whatsoever to change. Which activates an automatic transmission of unconditional love. This is the L piece of full that begins to run in your body like an engine, right? It's this beautiful, gentle, unconditional love for yourself. And this love then replicates itself and moves to any version of you on any timeline that needs it that's associated with this unhealed trauma, whether the the versions of you be earlier versions of you from this incarnation or versions of you from other lifetimes and other incarnations. And that's why you get to remove story here. You work in a multidimensional way with yourself suddenly transmuting underlying traumas from multiple lifetimes that you're currently carrying in your energy field right now. And as you clear that trauma, that allows the fifth dimensional consciousness to take hold more firmly within your third dimensional energetic structure and bodies and just breathe here. Wow, thank you. Wow. And just so you all know, I have that in a blog post on my um, blog on my site. Oh, this is Nora again. I always like to, once I start channeling, I like to announce who's talking. So this is how I work as a channel now, right? It's very quick for me to shift back and forth between bringing through the Pleiadians or Ursula or whoever is coming through and then moving um, back into Nora, giving giving the microphone back to Nora because I do what I would call at this point, I used to call it semi-conscious channeling. Uh, I think I've moved into being a full-on conscious channel at this time, meaning a large part of the time when I'm speaking now, I am also aware of the Pleiadians' presence, the presence of the other beings I work with, integrated into my energy field, and they're kind of constantly contributing. So I'm, I perceive myself to be more than Nora now. I'm Nora, I'm my higher self, and I'm also all these beings that I work with on a regular basis. So it's it's remarkable and, and it's even I think listening to your voice offers um this energetic healing thing that I, I responded to as soon as I started to to listen to one of your first seminars that I found. So thank you so much for sharing that with my audience because I think so many people 
would benefit just from that simple practice. And it, it can be something that you introduce in a meditation or in your everyday. It's not a complex thing. It's just something that works. <laughs> it, was- it, it does. Yeah. I mean, I'll use it sometimes like in the middle of my day, whatever I'm doing, right. You can, once you get practiced at using full and it, it's, it's, it's pretty easy to get practiced at using it. Yes. You can run it while driving your car or grocery shopping or doing anything really. Right. Yes. I can be in the middle. I can be in the middle of a fight with John, my, my husband partner. I mean, we're not legally married, but a calm husband. <laughs> Same with me and mine. <laughs> 21 years, like after 21 years saying my boyfriend. <laughs> really <laughs> right. I can be in the middle of a fight with him and also be running full at the same time, because if I'm fighting with him, clearly I have shit to deal with in myself. Yes. Yes. <laughs> You mentioned um, your collectives outside of the Pleiadians and I was interested to find out about Ursula because from what I understand, she's a fairy being and so my dad would always joke with me and say I was away with the fairies because I'd be like sprightly and like riding around but I don't know anything about this sort of things because I've listened to mostly the Pleiadians so would you be able to give some information about the fairies um, and Ursula and, and a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, I started channeling about the fairies very early on, right? Fairies were always of interest to me because I am part fairy in my genetic line. I'm uh, half Irish by descent in my ancestry, and I can track that back now energetically to beings who are incarnate on planet Earth as fairy. So third-dimensional fairies, right? Physical, humanoid-looking beings who were a different genetic line called fairy. Right, and people have identified that there's been so many different strains of, like, humanoid on this planet that it's not just the homo sapien. There's all these different things that we're now identifying as part of our mythos. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then there are other fairy beings who have ascended to uh, fifth and sixth dimensional spaces. And when I was getting ready to channel for a radio program in 2010, I felt a being hook up with me. Immediately I knew her to be fairy. And that was very exciting for me because I felt like that was the first time I was getting ready to channel a fairy. Uh, she told me that her name was Kaliandra, which I looked up later. I looked up the word Kaliandra later. And Kaliandra is a flower. It's a flowering shrub on our planet. And its common name is fairy duster. Oh, my God. Right? I, right. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I still get startled by that stuff and love it. And I recommend that to all of you as you're coming into this, right? Google the stuff you start uncovering as you're channeling. You will find correlating data that backs up and confirms that your magic is real. Yes, 100%. Those synchronicities are really important. Yes, so Kaliandra came through, and I already had a fairy living in my home in the body of my cat. (laughs) That's so cool. The Smurf. The Smurf, okay. (laughs) Right, whose formal name was Ursula when we adopted her. I see, I see. Yes, so we adopted Ursula... Oh, back in 2008, along with her her sibling, Isabella, Izzy. And I knew Izzy to be Pleiadian, and I knew Ursula to be fairy immediately. So Kaliandra came through. I started channeling Kaliandra. 
Izzy died in 2014. Oh, I'm sorry. And thank you. And Izzy immediately rejoined the Palladian Collective, right? Like, I felt that happen almost immediately when she left. And then the Smurf um, died in August. Oh, I'm sorry so I'm again. Still, yeah, thank you. I'm, so I'm still processing at times my grief around that. But the one of the beautiful things that happened when Ursula left her body was... So, so we had many magical experiences around her passing. We, we had to have her euthanized. She had cancer and tumors in her mouth, and she wasn't ready physically to go yet, right? Her organs were not shutting down, but she was ready to leave her body. It was clear. So mm-hmm. we facilitated that for her, and we brought her body home. And John and I took a nap shortly after we, de- after we had done that. And as, as we were lying in the bed, we both could hear the sound of purring just filling our home. Wow. It was, and we, we ha- she was our last cat. We have only dogs now, so she was our last cat to leave. And her energy was so powerfully present with me. It was very different from when Izzy died. Izzy died, and she went and rejoined the Pleiadian Collective. Ursula died. She reverted back to her fifth-dimensional fairy state immediately and let me know she would not be going anywhere. She would be joining my team of beings that I channeled. And I said, no, you're not. (laughs) Sorry, but... She sounds very regal. It's enough that I channel extraterrestrials and fairies. I am not channeling my dead cat, which is not. Sorry. And she said... Nice try. It's in the contract. So good luck with that. Right. And my very next public transmission, which was just a week after she died, maybe just a few days, I think, after she died, Ursula came through and she's very much integrated herself into my work now. And she's bringing with her this amazing information about the fairies and the technology that is fairy in origin and the truth that every single one of us has some version of fairy running in our bodies. And we've entered, as we went through this last solstice gateway, a period of time she and the Pleiadians are referring to as the return of the fairies. And we're seeing it reflected both in our own physical bodies and our physical experiences, we become more and more obviously magical here as beings on earth. And then we're also going to be able to start literally seeing manifestations of fairy energy in our day-to-day life. And I've already had reports back from people who follow my work that they've been having these experiences, right? Somebody went out in the forest and there was this green light and she just knew immediately it was fairy and it was something she'd not experienced before. So I see the fairies as our part of our genetic line. And then I see them as guides. I see them as friends and I see them as kind of a signpost who they are now is what we are evolving into. And I do see the non-binary movement, the trans movement, the, the sexual fluidity movement, all of that tied into the return of the fairies. Mm. There's something going, like something happened with my little niece. We, we take her um, to the window of my family home. This sounds so ridiculous. And this thing jumped up and it was like, a, it was a cat, but it wasn't a cat. And she won't yeah. stop talking about the bloody cat. She's like, Jojo, the cat jumps, the cat jumps. And I was like, this, 
it, it was just it like something strange was going on there and I um everything keeps going like missing in this house at the moment and my jewelry keeps snapping and things and I think that there's something fairy like going on I just well, have a feeling have you formally invited the fairies into your home I kind of did I kind of did yeah. Well, then that's why you're having those experiences. So yes. I'll share, like, the first... I became familiar with Brian Froud's work with the fairies, oh, uh, I don't know, 20 years ago or so, right around the time I started channeling. Um, Brian Froud is a, a English uh, artist, creator, writer. He's worked in Hollywood and done some films on, on the fairies, and he has some books out there, and... He collaborated with the author Jessica Macbeth, and they created something called the Fairies Oracle, which is a divination uh, tool for working with the fairies and the fairy guides, the fairies as guides. I love it. I've had the, the Fairies Oracle now. Uh, I think I got it right around the time it came out. Okay. So, yeah, I highly recommend it. Amazing. I'll have to check it out. With this. Oh, yeah. When I got the Fairies Oracle, I realized as I brought the book and deck into my home, I was also inviting every single one of those beings into my home space. And yeah, for like a week or two, things would go missing. And, you know, we were having like crazy little fairy experiences. And I think we have this perspective, right? And, and even misperception that the fairies are mischievous. Mm. They're not. I mean, they can be mischievous just like we all can, right? Any one of us can be mischief mischievous, right? We can operate in that playful way. The fairies are profoundly powerful, gigantic beings. Wow. So we experience those minor disruptions in part because we're adjusting to their energy and their presence in our lives. And that's sometimes just like with the breaking of the ashtray or the glass, right? Things go a little kooky. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Reality as we're making those adjustments. But that is about us adjusting. That makes so much sense then. Well, I will bear with it and see what happens next because I'm, I'm very intrigued by that. But it's funny, my dad used to always say to me, oh, I'm always away with the fairies because I would try and look at like the lighter side of things and try and be positive, even if it probably wasn't appropriate to be that happy about it. But mm -hmm. it's good to be away with the fairies, whatever that means then. Absolutely. Well, the, the fairies in large part are able to maintain the vibration and frequency of joy at all times without any effort no matter what else is happening. So I think in the third dimension, sometimes that's a little bit of a spiritual bypassing tool, right? To just go to the light and the, the nice and the, oh, I'm not going to deal with the shit, right? Yeah, I see. We can't really do that and to integrate and reassign. We have to stay in our bodies and deal with our stuff. Yeah. The, fairy, the fairies are experts at maintaining that joyful state no matter what the fuck is happening and still dealing with what is happening. I see, I see. Well, that makes sense then. That makes sense. Could I um, divert off into something that leads from your work as a channel, but is very interesting to me because I now know that you work on the Bernie Sanders campaign. And I wanted to hear about what your motivation was, because I think that it links to your work as a channel, but I'd like to hear more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thanks for asking, and I'd love to share about it. So 
You know, I, I think I first became aware of Bernie Sanders in the 90s. I heard him speaking in the late 90s, I think, when he was a congressman. Um, I just caught a clip of something on TV, and I remember stopping and thinking to myself, wow, who is that mm. uh, being who's talking about humanity in a way that I don't know, you don't normally hear politicians talk about, right, yeah. as deserving of so much more than the limited reality we currently give ourselves and give ourselves via the government. And then when he voted no on the Iraq war, again, I said, oh, my God, right, there's Bernie. Completely, I, like I knew we were being lied to back then by uh, our government. So I'm like, who is this guy again who's able to see the truth of that, see through the lies and vote his conscience, which was went markedly against where, I mean, you know, in, after 9-11 in the United States, I mean, the march to war, 99% of the consciousness was there. There were very few of us saying, mm, no, like, let's stop. That doesn't seem right. Mm. So to hear Bernie promote that, vote no on that and promote that viewpoint was significant for me. So then I started just like talking to him and be like, hey, Bernie, run for president. Like I would send him these telepathic messages. Meanwhile, working as a channel full time, working as a healer, not at all doing anything outwardly political. Right. I actually kind of felt back then and I felt for a long time like it wasn't appropriate for me as a Pleiadian channel to get involved in politics. Sure. Because politics is so third dimensional. Right. So low vibrational. Yes. Right. So black and white. And this was all prior to the end of 2012 when we were still running a lot of separation. And there was something about that that felt actually appropriate, like it was appropriate for those things to be separate. All right. So fast forward to 2015, I started hearing rumors that Bernie might uh, run for president. And, and I could feel like this excitement in my body. And at that point, I was identifying him as Pleiadian. Now, I don't know what Bernie would think about that. <laughs> <laughs> but from my perspective, Bernie holds Pleiadian consciousness and is carries that vibration and frequency and energy with him. Yes, so I can see. he announced he was running, I signed up to volunteer and gave him money. Two things I had never done before in the politi political reality. And I was with him and the organization all the way through the end of uh, 2016 and the primaries there. And then I took a break from it all because he wasn't running for president. And, and then when it looked like he might run again... Uh, you know, people would say, are you going to are you going to get involved again? And I was like, I don't really know. It, it took I mean, it takes it's an incredible amount of time and energy um, that I'm spending doing it. So I was kind of ambivalent. Right. And then on February 19th of last year, 2019. So almost exactly a year ago, actually, probably when this ends, it will have been a, when this airs, it will have been a year ago. Yes. He announced and immediately I'm like, here's my twenty seven dollars. Sign me up to volunteer. Yes. And I'm. Um, currently helping to um, support uh, the texting program. So we have tens of thousands of volunteers nationwide. So I'm working directly with staff, uh, helping to facilitate the managing of the volunteers in that program and supporting them, helping them. My work within the campaign is very similar 
to my work as a channel and a guide. I am constantly being asked to help people and guide them and support them within the context of the campaign. And then going beyond that, um, because things are so intense, right, Mm. Uh, politically and intense in our political consciousness, that energy can be very demoralizing and draining for those who are involved and working on it. I mean, it's demoralizing and draining to all of us, right? Yes. So I asked staff if I could create something called the Joy Squad within our national organizing system. And the Joy Squad gets to run around the message board that we work in and just give love and joy and support and happiness and positivity to all of the volunteers working there. Um, and that's, that's so nice. <laughs> yeah. And it completely dovetails, right, with my work. Yes. You know, and the other piece of it is, I can't lie to myself any longer and say that politics is outside of me or doesn't affect me or I'm not political because if I'm going to channel about and believe that we are all one here and that everything one being does affects every other being and everything one being is experiencing is also my experience, then of course I'm political Mm. as I'm spiritual, as I'm everything. Absolutely. And there's there. I did a thing for Google um, a couple of years ago where they do the year of review and they asked me to do a tribute to David Bowie for it because he just died. And there was a section that I never saw until they put that out there of Bernie where the bird flew down and like landed on the microphone. So when I saw that and I in the same video, I was like, oh, my God, this is that man is it. And so I'm eagerly hoping and wishing that whatever the weather, his um, movement um, benefits people. And I, it's amazing that you're working on it. So well done. <laughs> How do I say Thank that? You. That's yeah. so awesome. So as I, sorry, go ahead. Have, yeah, we have volunteers from all over the world, right? You can't financially contribute and participate in Bernie's campaign as a non-US citizen, but you can volunteer. So if anybody interested, uh, anyone listening is interested, you can go to berniesanders.com slash volunteer and sign up to volunteer for the campaign and it's very everything is browser based right all our texting and our calling and it's very easy to do from wherever you're at via your computer and it's a lot of fun amazing well i hope people check that out um in addition to your work that you're doing there you also i should go back and say what else you do so you do you still offer one-on-one sessions to people that are interested in maybe getting a healing or a personal reading from you or do you focus mainly on seminars as you have one coming up that's about love spells yeah i do a limited number of one-on-one sessions a month i find one-on-one sessions to be extremely valuable in especially in combination with the group work. So I'm still keeping myself available for a limited number of one-on-one sessions a month, which you can book via my website. But I also then offer multiple group experiences a month. So the first week of the month, always, usually on a Tuesday, but sometimes on a Wednesday now, (laughs) depending on the campaign schedule, I've had to move (laughs) some things to Wednesdays, right? Um, I do a monthly transmission. So that's my first, in the first week of the month, I just do the standard monthly transmission from the Pleiadians and Ursula, where I'll do about a half hour of lecture style format, transmission and channeling. And then the next hour is Q&A with with all of the attendees. I get to as many people as I can. Uh, And you can call in via phone or the web dialer, which works like Skype 
or you can just listen via the webcast if you want as well. And then typically the third week of the month, so this is what I have coming up next week, I do some kind of longer form topic-specific workshop and transmission. So recently I've been I've, I've kind of shifted into doing a lot around magic and taking and reinventing magic a bit in our consciousness, what we understand magic to be, helping to debunk a lot of the myths and fears around magic and helping everyone tuning in to deactivate their own implants that prevent them from accessing their own magic and transmuting underlying traumas relating to magic, right? Mm -hmm. Like I remember for a long period of time, I felt like it was wrong for me to do magic. I'm talking about until just very recently, which is fascinating as I observe this. I've, I felt myself, exactly the right? same thing. I, it's very strange. I felt like an embarrassing shame's been lifted. Yeah. This is the return of the fairies thing. This is part of it, part of the return of the fairies. So now I'm, I'm, a lot of my work is centered around magic, which is really just operating as a creator being, right? We're just repackaging that information and calling it magic. But it's pulling in a whole new kind of group of people that are very interested in that term and what the, and I think it's normalizing, normalizing this work a bit. Yeah. Kind of moving it out of niche channel understanding of spiritual woo woo, new agey, la la <laughs> land, right? Into a more grounded, ah, I'm going to work some day to day magic in my life. So my, my workshop on the night, is it the 19th? Oh, uh, no, it's the 20th. Uh, February 20th is called Love Spells of All Kinds. And the program will be all about activating and accessing more unconditional love for the self and others. And spells and very simple spells, simple ways to bring that energy of unconditional love into your physical reality, right? That's that's a big piece of this magic work that I'm doing right now is the simplicity of holding a vibration or a frequency in our bodies, pairing a simple action mm. that allows you to feel that energy, right? And that's the spell. So yes. John and I have also put together now this video this video web series. I think it's going to be a series. We've done two episodes on it now called Everything's a Spell. Um, so you can get that on my YouTube channel. We just dropped the second episode uh, just today. February 14th is when we're having this conversation. So Valentine's Day. Yay. It's called, right, A Cup of Tea for Harmony. And it is a little bit of a love spell that we did here for us in our home. The first spell was, um, um, <laughs> the first spell was our, the first episode was our Smash the Patriarchy potatoes. I saw, I saw. <laughs> it looked delicious. That was, that was about some astrology that was happening in January, this conjunction of Saturn and Pluto in the sign of Capricorn happening for the first time in a very long time. So Capricorn is all about our power structures and literally the patriarchy. So we released that episode on that day of that astrological conjunction. Uh, And it's just me making my smash the patriarchy potatoes and incorporating (laughs) (laughs) spiritual and channeled and astrological ideas and concepts into the recipe itself um and that was a lot of fun so yeah we'll, we'll be doing more of those definitely 
Amazing. And what I will do is I'll add all your website details and your YouTube links to the details surrounding where this goes up up online. And I'll pop a little bit on my website about you as well, just so people can find a full link to you. Um, so thank you so much, Nora, for taking the time out of your Valentine's Day to speak to me because I I am fangirling out here a little bit. But <laughs> Aww, thank you. Your thank work you is so, so valuable and, and you're such a lovely person to have such compassion to teach people and to share this with people. So thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you, Joe. I, I wish I could hug you in person. Your love and your beauty and your bravery in shining your light in the way that you do, um, those things are all truly exceptional in you. And it's really been my honor to sit in conversation with you. Oh, my God. Thank you. All right, Nora. Well, take wait, wait, care. I have okay. a question you. Oh, okay. I, I was told to ask you this question. Do you have a particular star system that you align with and have an affinity for? I have been having this sort of like dialogue with myself and I've been really nervous to to listen to the answer because I was trying to request some sort of information and I kept hearing this Hecate thing in my head and I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know what this is, but I thought that was a witchy woman. So I, I, I thought it was because I put my title in, um, I jokingly put my title in my company as head witch. And then yeah. I was like, oh my God, did I just create this? And then who am I talking to? Am I talking to some witchy goddess thing? And then I was like, is this even like my imagination? I didn't know where I was going. And then I kept on seeing like the, the Orion thing. And I was like, is that not like the bad place? And then I was like, oh my God, I don't know what's going on. So I've, I've taken a break from exploring. <laughs> Okay, so Orion is not bad. Okay. Right? We we call them the Orion Wars because the wars those wars started which happened for that those wars went on for hundreds if not thousands of years. They started in and around the Orion constellation, which is why they're called the Orion Wars. And the Orion beings certainly were a part of them, but just like all beings in the universe, they're not good or bad, they're both good and bad, just as Physically incarnate Pleiadians are good and bad. Physically incarnate Lyrans are good and bad, et cetera, et cetera, right? We're all everything. Now, the Pleiadians that I channel, that I work with, are 12th dimensional. They're not physically incarnate. They don't hold that polarity of good and bad any longer in the projection of their energy. Um, So if you're drawn to Orion, release your attachment and connection to the notion that Orion is in any way bad or the bad guys because it's not at all accurate or true and let yourself open up to that yeah I I've all I think the Pleiadians have spoken to me before as well yeah I'm sure I also yeah. feel you have strong fairy and Lyran energy as well see I thought it was that I thought it was to do with the Lyrans because I can remember like see why don't you just say Lyran no because I did it I did it <laughs> Because <laughs> I didn't, because I didn't know if Lyra was a star system, so I knew I knew what the Lyrans was, but I didn't know. No, 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 that definitely because I knew how I can remember how to do things. Like I can build things I've never been taught to build before, and I can do things like that. But I, do, it was always like I felt like I, it was like a different energy that was channeling through me when I was doing most of my art stuff, and I didn't know how to do a lot of it. I just came through me and it was definitely to do with that Lyran energy for sure. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Thank you for identifying that. But I was like, I don't know. Cause it's, so is Lyra a star system? 
I mean, that's the way I interpret it. Yes. I mean, there's, so, so when you say star system, right, there's the star, star system to me means there's at least one star with planetary bodies around it. Yes. Yes. Just like our solar system, right? We have our sun and then our planetary bodies around it. So I would actually, this could be interpreted as a star system. Yes. Yeah. All aligned with this particular star so when i talk about the lyrans there are planets around a particular star there that they connect with yes that's so far and i'm i'm really tall as well i'm much taller than people anticipate i'm, uh, about, I'm like six three and then with heels i'm like nearly seven foot so it's like i'm always like this like beast <laughs> <laughs> so i think it makes sense <laughs> That's such a British thing to say, beast. We would never say that in the U.S. in any kind of positive or beautiful way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't mind being called a beast. I call my partner a heifer all the time, and he's like, you do know that's a a cow? And I'm like, oh. (laughs) Yes, if you you called me a heifer in the United States, you would be calling me fat. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, I better not say that then. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, well, thank you so much, Nora, for taking the time. Um, I will send love, 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 love to you and John, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful Valentine's. Thank you, Joe. You too. Thanks. It's been so much fun. So that was the incredible opportunity for me and the insightful interview with the amazing Nora Herald. You can find her information in the description of my website post, but also in the SoundCloud and iTunes. You can also find her website by searching Nora Herald. It's very easy to get to. She has a number of services that she offers to the public, whether it be personal readings or healing sessions. She also offers seminars and webcasts where she gives further information as she channels various beings and collectives whether a fairy now i was very interested to find out about all of this so i'm sure you guys will definitely be too so i hope you guys take care i hope you tune back for more information about this and i can't wait to explore more of this with you all right guys thank you so much for listening and take care